Welcome to Cross Communities Podcast. We're glad you're here to listen today. We hope that today's message will strengthen your faith and help you to love God and people more. Well, welcome to the first Sunday in Lent. Now, some of you, for some of you, that'll be strange. What is, what is Lent? Well, Lent is traditionally the season, 40 days, that's why our title is called These 40 Days, 40 days before Easter Sunday. Now, if you've done the math, you already realize, wait a minute, I've counted them up and there's 46 and you're not wrong. That's because there are six Sundays and Sundays are a celebration Every Sunday is a celebration of resurrection life. Amen? And that doesn't, that doesn't stop during Lent. We celebrate that. But the church early on learned that there is a need each year for Christians to return to God's work in their lives intentionally. To Sometimes we, they've used all those tools. We need God to file some things down, shave some things off, chisel something out of our hard hearts to continue that work. Do you understand? And they, they just began to see this is something that we want to do. We want to call people to do each and every year. Sometimes that means giving something up for Lent. How many of you are giving something up? don't have to say what it is, but giving something up. Okay, giving something up. We don't do that just as a badge of honor. We're saying, hey, maybe this thing has taken more importance in my life than my walk with Jesus. And so for 40 days, I want to lay that aside. And every time I get that craving for that Girl Scout cookie. You know, why do the Girl Scouts do that right before Lent? That, that's what I want to know. Good marketing. Every time I crave that Samoa, I want it to turn my attention to God and to say, oh, God, Jesus, I, I want to crave you more than I crave a Samoa. I, I want that to be my hunger for you. And whatever it is that you hunger for or you're trying, that's the purpose of letting go. It's not so you can say, oh, I, you know, I'm, look at me, I'm giving away for Lent. For some of you, it will be adding something to Lent. Like you realize that Jesus is calling you to serve in some way. Or or to give in some way. And these 40 days of Lent are a good time to do that. To add something in that shows I'm I'm pursuing Jesus. I want to go after Him with everything. And I don't want, if He needs to shave something down, if He needs to file something down, if He needs to chisel something out, I want Him to do that. And I'm going to do that through this act of service. That's why we do this, to focus our heart and to journey with Jesus all the way to the cross of Good Friday and through to resurrection life. Are you ready? All right. So this year, uh, those who follow a more liturgical tradition, they call it the lectionary, 
they're going to be reading every Sunday except one. I don't know why that one is in John, but we're going to be in Luke for the rest of this time. And so I encourage you, read Luke. If you're not a part of that devotional study, uh, which you can still pick, I think we're out of hardcover books or hard copy books. You can get it online, or if you need uh, a hard copy book, let us know. Put it in the comment section and make sure that we can get your address and we'll make sure we get one as quickly as we can. But we're going to be going through and journeying through Luke on our Sunday passages. So if you have your Bibles, however you get them, I'm going to encourage you to open them to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, and we're going to begin at verse 1. And because this is the good news, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke, I'm going to invite you to stand in honor of reading of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hear the word of the Lord this morning. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, while, uh, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all those days, and when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, One does not live by bread alone. Then the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, To you I will give their glory and all this authority. For it has been given over to me, and I give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered him, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to protect you, and on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every test, he departed from him until an opportune time. It says the word of the Lord, word of God for the people of God, and our response is, thanks be to God. You may be seated. All right. How many of you know what this stands for? The goat. If somebody says they are the goat, it means, say it with me, one, two, three, The greatest of all time. The GOAT. So if you're not a sports person and you've just heard people talking about the GOAT, this is what it means. Just wanted to let you know. Now you can seem a little more sporty. Uh, The GOAT. The greatest of all time. And so I just thought we would go through a little bit of this. Um, So who is the GOAT of basketball? Okay, I've got, I, that was, there's way too many. Let's look at this. He has six championships. I didn't even put this in there, but on those six, both sets of three were re- three-peats. Uh, he has six championship MVPs, so every time he was in the championship, he was also the MVP. Five times he was chosen as the best player in the whole league. He has four Olympic gold medals, and he went to the All-Star Game 14 times. His name is? 
Michael Jordan. That's right. That's right. That's the GOAT, the, the greatest of all time in basketball. Now, this one, this next one, I'm going to have to hold my nose a little bit. I, I just, uh, you know where I'm going if you've been here. Um, who is the greatest of all time in the NFL? That was pretty unanimous right there. Seven Super Bowl victories, five Super Bowl MVPs, three NFL MVPs, 15 Pro Bowls, and best of all, he played for the Michigan Wolverines. Go Blue! It is, of course, none other than Tom Brady. I couldn't put him in a Patriots jersey, I'm sorry. I I looked for one when he was in Michigan, but he just looked like a baby. Who's the goat of hockey? One more. Gretzky, I heard that name. Four Stanley Cups, leading goal scorer in the NHL, leading assist producer in the NHL. He's the only player to score over 200 goals in a season, and he did it four times. That's why they call him the great one. And that is, of course, yes, Wayne Gretzky. Now, before we go too much further, please do not email me about these uh, these choices, okay? Say it with me. This is an illustration. This is helping my sermon today, okay? I don't want angry emails that I didn't choose your person. All right. But why are we talking about the goat? Here's what I wanted you to get out of this. I want you to think really hard. If you were to meet one of the greatest of all time, whoever that may be for you, would you dare to give them game tips? Like, uh... Hey, Michael, you know, in that championship series that you were doing, I think you really should have focused on your defense more. Would you dare to do that? Give game tips to the GOAT? Would you tell Tom Brady that, hey, um, you know, the way you throw the ball, your technique is just not right. Um, If you would really focus, you could be a little bit better. Would you dare to get on the ice with Gretzky and try to argue about his shot technique? Would you? Would you give game tips to the goat? To wrestle with that question gets us into the heart of this passage today. And we have to unpack a little bit because I want you to know that this passage is not about Bible memorization. Okay, oftentimes we read this passage and preachers, myself included, I think I've probably preached a sermon on this or two. Um, it's about, look how Jesus used scripture to combat the schemes of the devil. Please hear me if you've ever heard one of those, and, and I can stand here because I've preached it. That's not a bad thing. It's good to be in Bible quizzing. The scripture is the sword of truth. It is the way that we are, are grounded and reminded of the hope that we have in Jesus. So don't get me wrong, but primarily something else is going on in this passage that's not just about you should read your Bible more, although you should read your Bible more, okay? Luke is making a claim about Jesus. This is what he wants us to understand. And he goes about this in in quite a few ways. One of the things that Luke loves to do throughout his gospel is to show the story and bring in the Hebrew scripture 
characters. We see that right away with uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth, the parents of John the Baptist. They're old, and uh, they're both from the house of Aaron, which is the priestly house, so bringing in that priestly element. Um, they're old, and they haven't been able to have children. That reminds you of, come on, Bible quizzers, Abraham and... Sarah, yes. Who, so he brings everything into the story and he uses these hyperlinks. Sometimes they're very subtle. Sometimes he just quotes from prophets or quotes from the Old Testament. Other times he uses metaphor. He uses the characters. He uses story to hyperlink us back into the Hebrew narrative to show that Jesus is the goat. He is the one who is the fulfillment of all things. Luke has an agenda. He has a claim and he wants you to hear his claim and he wants you to make a choice if you are reading his gospel. In fact, um, just before our passage, we have the, the baptism of Jesus. And this, if you remember this, Jesus goes out to his cousin, John the Baptist, and he submits to baptism and he's baptized. And when he comes up, he hears a voice, they hear a voice and the wind, the spirit of God descends bodily upon him in like a dove. And there's a voice from heaven that says, you are my son, the beloved with you. I am well pleased. And, and John here, or the voice from heaven, is really mashing up some Old Testament scriptures. You are my son. This is taken from Psalm 2. And he's trying to help us focus on that Jesus is the anointed king who will confront evil in the nations. But also that he's beloved. And also that... God is well pleased with him. And this takes us back into Isaiah 42, that suffering servant. Jesus is the suffering servant who will suffer on behalf of humanity. See, Luke wants us to focus on all that Jesus is doing. And then he goes into his greatest of all time credentials. And there's this, what we think is really boring genealogy that happens in the second chapter, or the second half of chapter 3. But what he's trying to do is line Jesus up with some very significant people in the scriptures. So he connects him to the line of David, that he will be this king. And you're supposed to remember all the stories of David from First and Second Samuel, the, the successes and the failures, where David was tested and he failed. But it's not only there, it's also in the line of Abraham. And we're supposed to remember Abraham and Sarai and all their successes, but in the tests, the failures, and then all the way back to Adam, Luke connects Jesus so that we can remember the test and the failure. And then we come to our passage. And one of the first things I want you to hear, and I think we need to hear this as brothers and sisters in Christ, that he is led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tested. So that, that means if, if you're following Jesus and you've given your heart and your life, but you still deal with temptation, it's okay. This is a part of being a human being. Temptation is not sin, it's what we do with it. Even Jesus was tempted. 
Because it's a part of what it means to be a human being. One of the earliest pastors in the church of Jesus Christ was Athanasius of Alexandria. And he said this, That which has not been assumed has not been redeemed. Aren't you blessed? Close your Bibles. Amen. Go home. What is he saying here? He's saying that Jesus, this is in his book called, or his writing, his tract uh, on incarnation. He's saying that Jesus was fully human. And he took upon himself all of human experience. Now I know the one uh, that, that says, okay, but Jesus wasn't a woman, so he doesn't have that one. I, I get that. But he was... For a while, we can say now, biologically, he was flesh of woman in the womb. And as he was developing, he takes on all of humanity. He takes on all of humanity's situations because he is interested in redeeming. God is about redeeming all of human life and filling it to the full. I know that's John, but we'll talk about him in a few weeks. So Jesus is entering in, and to be tempted is a part of human life. And Jesus is entering into this because he wants to take that upon himself so that that can be redeemed in your life, in my life, in your life online. Jesus wants that to be redeemed. So let's look at this a little bit better. Jesus takes on humanity or Israel's test. The tests of all these people that are listed in the genealogy. He takes it on as he moves into the desert. And we find out that he's very hungry. 40 days and 40 nights with nothing to eat. And the Bible, the gospel writer tells us he is famished. I mean, some of us can't go 40 hours. He's gone 40 days. So this is a real test. And we know that the devil comes to him and puts this test to him. And the test is, take what you want or need. This should remind you of Adam and Eve who were placed in a garden. Our our great, 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 way, 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 way back great-grandparents. And they were placed in a garden and they were told, eat of every tree, including, I mean, really it's open. The tree of life is open. But God says, don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Why? Because you're supposed to trust God for what is good and to teach you what is evil. You're supposed to wait. You're supposed to mature. You're supposed to depend on him in every moment. But there was a test. Did Adam and Eve pass the test? No, they didn't. They saw and they took what they wanted. It should remind us of David and Bathsheba, another one of Jesus' lineage here in the line. He was a great king. He was, in fact, named the man after God's own heart. And yet, when he was up on his balcony and he saw a woman bathing, he saw that she was pleasing And very beautiful. And did he pass the test? No. He took her. And that led to the murder of her husbands. But Jesus is hungry. 
And he's told or he's tested, take the bread, take that stone, make it into bread. But Jesus says to him, basically, God wants ministry, not miracles. There may be some purpose in my hunger, and I will wait on Him. I will not take it for myself. He quotes Deuteronomy 8.3, where Moses is reminding the children, look, when you were in the wilderness and you could not make bread and you didn't have the things for bread, who provided it by His Word? God. Jesus is saying there might be purpose in the hunger. God is concerned about ministry, about what might happen. He's not concerned about miracle bread. He's more concerned about ministry. And we see that because doesn't Jesus perform miracles? Does Jesus perform miracles in the gospel? Yes, like almost every other page. But every miracle is for the sake of someone else. It's not for his own benefit. It's for the sake of someone who is broken and needs healing. Someone who can't move and wants to walk, needs to walk again. Someone who is blind and needs to see. A group of 5,000 who are hungry and famished and he has compassion on them and he breaks five loaves and two fish so that he can feed them and feed them to the full. See, God is interested in ministry, not miracles. Test two. It's to take authority to rule humanity. We've already heard the story read, but it should remind us of Abraham and Sarai. They were promised that they were going to have a child. Abraham said, you're, uh, was told that his descendants would be like the sand of the sea or the stars in the sky. But here they were, ancient of days and no baby. And so, Sarai sees her handmaid and takes her and gives her to Abraham. Did Abraham pass the test? No. He decided to take authority to rule over Hagar. And it doesn't end well. It's still not ending well today. It might also be like like Saul and the children of Israel. They were supposed to have God as their king, but they see Saul... And they take him and they make him their king. They want him. But Jesus' answer to this test of taking authority to rule humanity is that God is interested in redeeming people, not ruling people. It's done in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 13. We don't have time. You can go back and read that if you would like. But it's in a, in a portion where Moses is telling the children of Israel, Remember, serve God, serve Him only. Why? Because He redeemed you. He took you out of slavery in Egypt and bondage, led you through the Red Sea because He wanted you to be free. That's the kind of God you should serve. He's the only one who will set you free. And Jesus, by quoting this, is passing the test, saying God is interested in redeeming people, not ruling them. Aren't you glad? Test three. Take the attention, Jesus. Let's just jump off here. I mean, Paul beautifully read that passage that it was taken from in in Psalms. And, you know, just jump off. He won't let you, you you know, he won't let you uh, harm yourself. He won't let your foot touch a stone. Just go ahead and do it. Do the spectacular thing. Take the attention. But Jesus says no. 
It should kind of remind us of the, the test of Moses, where Moses, the people were grumbling about him. And you can read about this in Numbers 20. They were grumbling that they, they wanted water. And, and, and why did you leave it? And they were grumbling, is God even with us? And God tells Moses, go ahead, take your staff and go and speak to the stone. I will stand above it and you will, water will come, come out from it and they'll know that I'm with them. What does Moses do? He goes out and he takes the attention. He's like, you bunch of rebels. Must we, he says that, must we provide water for you out of the rock? And he strikes it. We often think that the disobedience was that he struck the rock. No, it's that he put himself in the place with God. He said, we. He took the attention. And Jesus says and answers, God is interested in the surrendered, not the spectacular. He wants people who are surrendered to him because in that he can work and move. God is interested in ministry, not miracles. God is interested in redeeming people, not ruling people. God is interested in the surrendered heart, not the spectacular event. Jesus passes all of humanity's tests. You take any sin that you struggle with currently or that it's in the Bible, it tends to filter through one or two or three of these that Jesus was tested by. He assumed all of that in order that you and I could be redeemed. This was what this was all about. He is the goat. He is the greatest of all time. Where we could not, he succeeded. Do you see where Luke is going with this? And so I come back to our question that we're wrestling with through this sermon. And I hope through the rest of this week. Are we still giving him game tips? What game tip are you giving the greatest of all time? Well, Jesus, if you would only do this, then I would really know that you're with me. Jesus, if you would just change my boss, then I could truly serve in my office space. Jesus, if you would just do this, then I can fill it in. What is it for you? What is it for you online? Jesus, if you would only do this, then I could know that you're the greatest of all time. Or then I would know if you would just perform this miracle or do this thing. If you would just get the right people elected into office, Jesus, then we could be a Christian nation. I'm sorry, did I go too far? What game tip are you giving the greatest of all time? Now, I realize I just said you. But I want you to know that this passage hit me right between the eyes this week. Because some of the greatest game tips to the greatest of all time come from pastors. I want you to know that. That I'll, I'll sit somewhere and say, Oh, Jesus, if you would just open their hard hearts, we could have a miraculous service. 
Portage and Kalamazoo would flock to us. I would preach your name. And it would be awesome. And this passage reminded me. Jesus is interested in my surrendered heart. Not a spectacular event every Sunday. Oh, Jesus. If you would just heal that person in such a dramatic way, what a testimony it would be. It would be incredible. Man, we would just see people want to come and worship the God who could heal someone in that situation. Or if they would let go of that addiction and you would just heal them of that. God, what a testimony. It reminded me. Jesus is not interested in miracles. He's interested in ministry. Where are we going to serve? Where where are we going to help someone else? That's his call. Jesus, if you would just help me to be the leader, I need to lead in this way, and everything that I read tells me that I need this, and I'm deficient here, and if you would just make me into the great leader, then this church would grow, and we would just see some incredible things take place, and we would take this city for you, Jesus. And I'm reminded by this passage, Jesus isn't interested in ruling people. Jesus is interested in redeeming people. And as I hear these things, these thoughts that come, as I begin to realize those, those are the words in Luke's passage that come from the devil. Now, I'm not saying I'm the devil or you're the devil. I'm just saying that to bring game tips to the greatest of all time begins to skew our allegiance. Can I say that? Folks, my heart was struck this week. As I was reminded again and again as I studied for this passage... That this is what Jesus is interested in. Ministry, not miracles. Redeeming, not ruling. Surrendered, not spectacular. And that's hard because this doesn't float in our culture. But that's what Lent is for. To remind us that He is the greatest of all time. And he longs for your surrendered heart to be redeemed so that he can send us, you, me, out to minister to others. And that is the kingdom. And that is the claim that Luke is going to make, that Jesus is the suffering servant. And he will model this behavior over and over and over and over again throughout his gospel until finally he gives his last on a cross and dies. So that we can be redeemed. So that the last thing of humanity, death itself, is assumed into Jesus and set free and destroyed for all time. He is the greatest of all time. And He is not interested in our spectacular or our ruling or our miracles. He is interested in your surrendered heart being redeemed to be set forth for ministry purposes. So the question is, Are you ready to surrender to the greatest of all time, my friends?
He is waiting for you. Would you stand for prayer? Lord Jesus, thank you for Luke's good news. That you are the greatest of all time. As we journey through his gospel, this Lent season continually pierce our hearts that we might know what your kingdom is all about and that if we claim to be followers of you, we've got to let you lead and that means you set the agenda. agenda is for surrendered hearts that you will redeem and send out to minister so that other hearts can be surrendered and redeemed and sent out for ministry so that other hearts can be surrendered and redeemed and sent out for ministry so that other hearts can be surrendered and redeemed and sent out for ministry God help us right now in this moment to take whatever our game tip is for you to fold it, to crinkle it up and to surrender it to you whatever that is in this room of a hundred or so people and those who are joined online there are probably a hundred or so or more game tips that we're all holding on to Help us to fulfill Luke's purpose in writing this story and putting it down on paper so that we could hear it to testify about it so that we could set aside and surrender our game tips to you. Redeem our hearts. Redeem the hearts of my brothers and sisters here today. And send us out to minister wherever you have placed us. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, would anybody be so bold as to say, I've got a game tip that I need to lay down right now. Would you just raise your hand wherever you are, all over this congregation. It's okay. Heads bowed, eyes closed. I've got a game tip for for Jesus and I need to lay it down right now. Okay. Lots of hands. Put your hands down. I want you to know if you raised your hand, you're not alone. If you were too scared to raise a hand, you're not alone. We all have those game tips. But today we're called to surrender them. So if you raised your hand, you can you don't have to say this out loud. But I want you to pray along with me. Jesus. I've been convicted today that I hold a game tip for you. And I'm saying, if only to you, before I'm willing to let go and surrender. So today, I take my game tip, I throw it at your feet. Redeem my heart and send me out to minister to someone else. I want to follow you and be surrendered to you, Lord Jesus. You are the greatest of all time. And I will follow where you lead.
I pray this in your name. If you prayed that prayer this morning, I need you to tell someone. You can tell your spouse. You can tell the person sitting next to you. If you have no one to tell or you're nervous about telling anybody, please come tell me. I want to celebrate with you that you've surrendered to the greatest of all time. You've entered into the story. He's going to redeem. He's redeemed your heart. And now he wants to exciting send you out to, to help someone else. Don't hold it inside. Tell someone. If you're online, send me a private message. Put it, put it in the comment section. If you want to be bold, just do it. Just type it out. I gave up my game plan today. I'm going to be surrendered to Jesus. I want Him to send me out. If that's you, don't hold it in. Tell someone. Tell someone. Tell someone. You never know how God will use that well it's been good it's first sunday of lent can you receive will you receive this blessing now this morning as you go and now my brothers and sisters my friends may you hear and enter into the good news of a surrendered life to the greatest of all time may you know that he has redeemed your heart And may you hear his call to ministry in his name. Dare to move with him. To let him lead as you follow. And may you begin to see the goodness of his calling on you. I pray this in the name of the Father who is for us. In the name of the Son who is with us. And in the name of the Holy Spirit who is in us. One God, forever and ever. Amen. Praise His name. He's the greatest of all time. Go in that name. Have a great week. Thank you for joining us online. We'll see you next week. Don't forget, next Sunday is Rebel Sunday. We're an hour later. Get your sleep and come to church ready to worship. Amen. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in to Cross Communities Podcast. We hope you will join us next week. We would love to connect with you today for listening to our podcast. Please fill out a connect card on our website at c3nas.net. You can also support the ministries of Cross Community by giving online on our website.